Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Room Sound Podcast. This is episode three, and might I say, this is getting pretty fun. I love getting a chance to talk in-depth with some very creative human beings, and it's rolling along a lot smoother than I can even imagine. If this is your first time listening, my name is Corey Snelson, and I love music and movies, and this is why I created Room Sound. We invite artists in to perform and sit down on conversations that help us grow as creators, whether it's music or not. These philosophies transcend music. If our guests have anything in common, it's that through discipline and repetition, we can achieve anything we want. And that comes up in today's episode. We are graced with the presence of pianist Bobby Orozco. He has been studying piano since the age of five and is now getting ready to release not one, not two, but three records over the next six months. We talk about what it took for him to understand the machine we call a piano, and he also shares some advice on what to do once all the songs are written. Bobby performed for us here at Room Sound, so be sure to check out our YouTube channel for the live performance. But stick around to the end of the episode because I get to play a game with Bobby that he always plays at his live shows, and it's quite magical. Now, let's jump into that first track from Bobby Orozco. pronounce your last name? Orozco. Orozco? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. So Bobby Orozco. We are sitting down with Bobby Orozco. 
Am I saying that right? Perfect, man. What? That's the Texas way to say it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, like you go a little it. further south, you might get you might get fussed at. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, uh, awesome. Yeah, when I looked you up last night, I was like, I'm definitely gonna have to ask that before we start recording. Right on. Yeah. And then I didn't. Yeah. Until just now. You so. can just call me Bobby. <laughs> uh, of course, Bobby with three B's. Correct. Right, three B's. How long have you been playing uh, piano? Uh, I started lessons four or five years old. Dude, and how and old are you now? Thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Thirty six now, and I mean. Just like, if you hear other players start at four or five years old at 36, they're not where I'm at. You know, I took, I mean, like, I, I, I took my breaks, did what I wanted to do. Like, during college, I started writing, and my focus was on more, I, when I discovered some other, like, 20th century artists, like Philip Glass, John Cage, guys like that, I would start... Um, start wanting to imitate that, because that was more moving to me than, like, playing 100 notes and... 10 seconds, you know, like how fast or how like precise you can play. Mm-hmm. That wasn't that it was, I can read it and I can practice it and I can have someone like tell me to play it 400 times, but I couldn't, that wasn't really my speed. My speed was more like the Philip Glass speed. So more on what I, what I've written in the past and what I have coming out is more my speed of uh, compositions that I want to lean towards is, is composition as a whole and not, and not playing what's been played a hundred times. I wanted to start writing, so. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, you got an album coming out at the end of the month, right? We're in October right yes. now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So October 30th, uh, what's the title? A Heavy Heart and New Age Crime. Right. Yeah, so A Heavy Heart and New Age Crime is uh, it's going to be the first of a series I'm doing with an artist, AJ Avilas. He works at uh, Intrinsic right here down the street. And he's an incredible artist, and I've seen his artwork uh, a lot, and I asked him if he wanted to do this project with me. And I think uh, the music that I've written for it has lined up with what, with, with his artwork. And uh, the music I've written was very uh, Philip Glass influenced, if, you, if you're familiar with him. Very, um, he doesn't want to own minimalistic, but that's what his critics call him, so that's what I'll, you know... We'll go, I'll roll with that. Well, I would say it's and, a little easier to digest uh, for, I guess, the... Uh, I mean, not to say that it's simple at all, but someone like Philip Glass, that's movie scores and such, Exactly, right? yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. so, like, it's meant to take any person and captivate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I totally understand Very captivating, why yeah. that would be something that you would uh, gravitate towards besides, you know, like you're saying, Class thousand score. notes... Right. All in like 10 seconds type exactly, thing. Yeah. Uh, which let me tell you, man, you ain't no simple dude on those keys. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I yeah. was like just, I was mesmerized uh-huh. because, you know, I, I'm not, while we're recording, I can't hear what you're playing, mm-hmm. but just the rhythms that were coming through. And it was just, I was like, wow, that's this is what piano sounds like when there's no, when there's no notes. Right. This is the action that mm-hmm. we're hearing. Uh, no, it's not simple on you, man. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. but tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write this song. So the, um, it's not just that piece that came in to play; it's the whole the whole project. So the, the heavy heart, new age crime, um, like the the titles. I don't write lyrics to songs, so I wanted the artwork and the titles of the songs and the music to all um, be companions to one another for. Um, for this concept, like it's it's weird to say concept album because it sounds like such a big deal that, like the big boys, right? But um, but I'm gonna call it a concept album. So it's a heavy heart, new age crime, and and you know I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna. It's a it's a concept, so I want the listener to get their own concept on what they wanna how they wanna, you know, 
interpret the music and the song titles and everything. But um, but my my drive towards the whole thing was um, every what everybody's going through right now, like musician, not musician. Just if you work at a bank or a school or wherever you work, this the whole COVID thing, the political thing, these the, just everybody killing everybody. It's a it's a heavy it's a it's a heavy heart, and um, and this where we're at right now, it's new age crime. Like, world's chaotic. It always has been chaotic, right? But when I was 12 years old, it wasn't like this, you know. So it's just progressively just gotten kind of pretty wild. And these concept albums are like five pieces. Like new age crime is going to be five pieces of music. He says I don't want to be like 10 or 12 pieces of music on this. I just want it to be a short like concept yeah so. you can spend a whole year writing a 12 track album right you're not the same person that started track one that's finishing track exactly 12. yeah but with someone like you, you or someone the, the project y'all are doing uh you said it's uh inspired by these times that we're going through uh exactly how long have you been writing this this next album coming out on october 30th man you're not gonna believe me when i tell you this the okay. uh the first three pieces were written in three nights. Oh man! It was written in three nights, and the it's also um, there. It's I want to say it's a different sound, but they're all written in G minor. Uh, the second piece goes uh, has a key change to D flat minor, but they're they're all in they're all in G minor, and I wrote them three nights in a row. And the original there with three pieces, I was it was only going to be a digital release. Three pieces, I don't want to like do the whole like press CDs and all that stuff. And then um, maybe four or five days before I had the studio time booked, I wrote two more. And uh, when I say write, these aren't just sitting at the piano and just like, cool, it's a cool idea. I score them out, and they're very, very, very intentional. Everything that I'm writing, everything that's recorded is very intentional. I'm not in the studio improving something. So I'm scoring them out note for note. And um, so within five nights, these, these pieces were written total the like i said three nights for the first three pieces on the album and then um the last two were written you know less than a week before i went into the studio but i yeah i really latched on to them i mean you know when i say this is this stuff was written between midnight and five in the morning this isn't getting home from a good day at work and just like cool let me sit the piano this is all during covid stuff man that i'm sitting sitting there at the sitting there at the piano and then this this for some reason the the key of g minor was really captivating to me at that time you know so um and that's and that that made that made me want to capture a different key for the next for a heavy heart and the search for higher ground you know so um but yeah this wasn't like like um like the other stuff i've written has taken a very very long time like the fur war horse was 10 plus years of getting pieces together for that album, you know. So it's it's really uh, it's about not second guessing, I guess. It's not. It's being very intentional. Intentional, what you, do. you mm-hmm. said, uh, which is great. So you're talking about mapping these songs out, correct? Uh, how long? When did you like learn to do that? How? What did you take classes? Is it something that you just can't, you know, just over time learned, or what? What's the process behind that kind of thing? I think. Um, I remember like my studying music theory in college and then sitting at the piano one-on-one with my theory teacher and him playing, uh, him saying, playing like, play it, play a G chord, you know, and then playing, okay, play a G7. Oh man, I don't know what a G7 is. Bobby, play your G7 chord. We study this. So, so, you know, so I, you know, fill around with it. He's like, there you go. He said, I'll play it. Then I'll play where it resolves. And I'll play the five chord and it resolves. And I'm just like, just can't stop smiling. 
when you have these little light bulbs go off in college, you, you know, make the connection, the connection in theory and just like how this stuff works, man, this isn't, this isn't like, like the piano is not a, like a game to me anymore, you know, and in college I started approaching this as like, this isn't fun anymore. It is fun. It's very, but it's, it's, uh, I was making it a part of myself. It wasn't something I did. It was something I had to do you know, in, in, in college. And, and this was also during studying classical pieces. I wasn't a composition major, you know. But um, but just studying theory and then practicing the same piece over and over. And I had an incredible teacher, Richard Dowling. He's an incredible, incredible pianist and um, ragtime pianist. And he would, I would play like six notes, a six-note run. And he'd be like, Bobby play that 400 times before I see you again. And I would kind of giggle at him, like, yeah, right, man. And he was just, like, serious. You know, he was not joking with me. And I would sit at the, and he would be like, do it again. And I would sit at the piano, he would do it again, do it again. And he would say that 20 times to me, do it again, do it again, do it again. And he was not joking. And that's where he's at right now. You know, he's a, he's a professional. He's a, you can, I mean, he's just like, he plays ragtime festivals across the country. And, um, but studying that kind of like do it again, do it again, do it again, sometimes you have to breathe. You don't want to walk away from the, from, the, from the instrument or from the machine, but you just want to breathe a little bit. So breathing, I was just like, well, let me try this chord now. Let me try this chord. Let me improvise on this melody. And the same, same melody that you're studying, the same chord progression that you're studying, but just improvise on it. And that's why I started writing music, you know, just learning keys and chord progressions and how things work in class, you know. And then um, I feel like I just kind of scored a cool little niche on how to how to do that. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, thanks. I'm sitting back here, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, good stuff. Because I'm sure there's someone out there. Maybe they're either they're listening to this or they're not. But there's I can guarantee there's someone out there who's banging their head against the keyboard mm-hmm. by it's themselves all of us, man. Yeah. on YouTube, whatever, figuring themselves out at the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. you started when you said you were like five, five years old. Is that oh, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's 35-year-olds out there who are like, you know, I better try this. You know, mm-hmm. how much longer do we have on this earth? Let me, let me, whether it's piano or something else. Exactly. It all comes back, I feel like most things come back to the same thing, and that's discipline with it's repetition. Discipline. It's exactly it, and, man. Uh, and consistency, I guess. Yeah. But what I liked what you said about the most was don't walk away from the machine. Just stop and take a breath. Right. That's what hit me the most is because a lot of people will either give up walk away and think they, oh, they just need a break and then it fizzles out. But if you just stick with it and take a breath, mm-hmm. which is, I think, very meaningful and more than just music and playing anything, uh, and then just try it again. You know, Try it again. It. That's, just, that's yeah. really awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you for like...
was the first step once those first once those five songs were done? What did you do to take it to to the next level? Like, what's your next step in that record recording process? Um, man, I remember sitting at the piano. Um, as you do, as you're preparing to record, you just sit, you wake up and do it, you fall asleep at the piano, you go to sleep and you wake up and start all over again. And this is during COVID, so I had the time to do that. Um, early, or like uh, late April kind of thing, you know. And, um, and, and Jess, my wife, was sitting on the back porch and I was excited. And I, I was like, Jess, I think I'm going to call and book studio time. And of course, she was just like, okay, let's do it. So I called Sharik at Audio Dallas. I said, hey, man, like I'm, I want to book it. You know, I text, send him a text message. He's like, all right, cool. Can you, this this Tuesday or Thursday? And um, I was like, yeah, that Tuesday. So I booked it. And then after you book it, that's when it's like, all right, now it's real. Now I'll sit at the piano and really start practicing. You yeah, know? Sure you <laughs> yeah. like you think you practiced for 100 hours before. Now I'll sit at the piano and practice for 200 hours. <laughs> yeah, because you're about to go in the studio. The last thing you want to do is practice in a studio. So, um so yeah, I was going in there and, and, and just booking studio time and making it happen, making things happen. Yeah. Uh, so the record's done, mm-hmm. complete. You already is it already in it's set your to release it tomorrow? Actually, really tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, the hard copies are coming in tomorrow, and um, yeah. So AJ and I we're getting we're doing a whole thing. Though I think the I try to make this uh, solo piano thing into like a you know I've playing bands my whole life, mm-hmm. so I also want to push it as like playing in a band like t-shirts and cds and stickers and stuff like that man and um like my last piano lesson as a as a singer in college my uh dr dowling i i know the caliber of pianist that he was you know so i kind of threw it out i was like hey man i know like i know who you are kind of thing you're a big deal he was like bobby if you want to be a solo pianist you'll never like you know be like make it kind of thing so i was like man i don't ever want to make it i just want to keep playing you know i just want to keep doing this so um, so anyway, that's the that's where we took it. We're selling T-shirts and making it act like we're going to see a live band when people come watch me play piano, selling shirts and stickers and all that kind of stuff. What is the like? What did you do to like? Did you just go online and find a T-shirt company or a sticker company? What did you do to to make that happen? Um, and my wife's a Spanish teacher, and she told me about a company that they where they got their Spanish shirts from in Austin, and then we saw we were paying like, you know ridiculous shipping on it and stuff like that and then i got instagram ads from rebel riot actually they were on northwest highway and um i think it's been four years i've been dealing with uh yawn over there now so i email yawn who had you know i've had coffee with yawn and just met with him a hundred times over our, sh- our merch that we've pushed out the last few years so on t-shirts and everything so uh when it when it comes to ordering merch uh, i'll tell you i've been down that road before and mm-hmm. i'm over ordered have oh, you yeah. ever have you ever been in that situation where you either over ordered, under ordered? What what is the sweet spot for you when it comes to ordering shirts? <laughs> That's a good question. When we first started this thing, we were like, uh, I was like a little kid, like in a, like literally as cheesy as it sounds in the candy store. I just want a little bit of everything. So I had like one design and wanted like twenty colors and all this stuff. And then and then once you do that, people are like, oh, I want purple. It's like ah oh, man, we don't have purple. Oh, I want I want this color. I want to have that color. So you just gotta just you just have to own what you do and just like we have this one design in one color or this one design in two colors we're not gonna you know take we can't take custom orders for a thing you know so it was a it was a long road man i, I think we still have probably t-shirts from maybe two or three years ago right now that we're still pushing out you know 
Let, let me ask you about the the album printing. I think this is the most important thing because some people think that like you shouldn't print your albums anymore. You should just go all digital, put mm-hmm. on Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Uh, why is it important to still have a hard copy of your album on your merch table? Yeah, I mean, I have a great answer for that. Uh, Richard Dowling, again, my piano teacher from college, He um, this was 2010 was my last lesson with them, so 10 years ago. And um, I guess it was, I want to say two years ago, he played at Carnegie Hall and, in New York City, and he asked, you know, he sent like a, an email blast out, and... Um, I was just like struck, man. I was like, oh my goodness, my piano teacher's gonna play at Carnegie Hall. So, uh, so Jess and I went to New York City and watched them perform. A, a, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a historical Scott Joplin concert, 100 year um, anniversary from his death, April 1st. And, um, and I gave him a book, I scored everything out from Warhorse and I gave it to him. And I was like, hey, man, I scored this out. I'm excited about it. I put it in finale, and I gave, it, I gave him this, and he was just Which like... Which was Warhorse? Was that your first? That was my first solo first, release. Okay. So, yes, sir, huh? Sure. Yeah. And, um, and he was just like, wow, Bobby, this is great. What am I going to do with this? He said, no, he was like, what are people going to do with this? He said, I can read this. Not everyone can read this. No one's going to buy this. He said, people, he grabbed my arm. He was like, people want to take a piece of you. He said, you need to record this music. You know, they want to, they want to, he grabbed my arm and was like, they want to take you home with him. And, and the, you know, at the time, recording was the furthest thing. I was just like, man, only the big boys do that. Only, like, Coldplay does that. You know, only, like, Rihanna does the recording. I don't do that. And I came back home, and within a few days, I was looking up recordings in Dallas and just like, like a list of recording studios of come up, you know? And um, I'm completely oblivious to this. So I'm like, this is very approachable to me. It costs a lot of money, but it's very approachable. And um, and that's when I start diving in. And Jessica, my wife, was just like, yes, do it, do it, do it, so do it. So was that for Warhorse? That was for Warhorse. And uh-huh. how, when did Warhorse come out? Came out March 16, 2000. 19 last okay. year mm-hmm. okay yeah so and then yeah. you're already back into it on another, i'm back into it another, mm-hmm. and then you already have another one planned for february have, um so i have uh heavy heart coming out the 30th 31st of this month mm-hmm. and then the christmas album coming out december 12th joy begin volume one and i want to do another christmas album and then um hillside light is the is the big big one that i want to okay. come out with it's i mean it's already pressed we have vinyls cds everything it's set to release on april 10th of 2021 wow mm-hmm. so why so why do you guys already like ready to go for that one so early what's the plan? um covid it was okay. it was actually supposed to be in june of this year okay and um it was supposed to be in june and i was like man if we do june we can't do an album release concert we can't do anything nobody's gonna buy anything everyone was super locked down in june you know and um so I had to pick, you know, I was ready to go. I was ready to, like, you got to set the release for, this, for you know, for Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. And I hate, it. I hate it sitting on that. So I was like, just pick a date. Let's just pick a date. So I picked April 10th. I don't want to do spring break. I want to do, like, after spring break. I said April 10th plugs into the spring. Let's just do it. You know, so I picked April 10th of uh, 2021. So regardless if, if COVID hits hard again, or if everything opens back up, whatever happens, Hillside Light is coming out April 10th, 2021.
And in the meantime, in the meantime, let's release these other three albums. Yeah, man, that's yeah. crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's really it's really cool that uh, since you do have it down to a science, you're really all just like, let me explore G sharp or whatever, right? And, and and you know, a week later, you have a little five song, a five piece mm-hmm. uh, set that that's going live on uh, Spotify, right? Uh, that's that's really cool that you can do that kind of thing. So. Back in 2010 is the last class you took. The last, uh, the last, yeah, the last private piano lesson I've had, and this was right before like a senior recital thing. So this was kind of like, if you don't know it by now, we ain't learning anything oh, today, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let, yeah. let me ask you this: What have you let's What have you learned that you would consider you learning it the hard way? What is something in the last, I guess, yeah, ten years? Uh, that you would say, hey, I did this. That wasn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. Now, this is how I would do that now. Um, probably be just being, like, getting out on a public platform as an independent, like, by myself. You know, like I said, I played in bands since I was in high school. And then um, hopping on stage, like, at Millhouse right here, at Pizza right here across the street here in Garland. Good pizza. And, yeah, man, great. Yeah. And just, like, playing... Like um, Sundays at Intrinsic Brunch, solo piano stuff. And then do even concerts at my house. The first concert we had at our house, Marigold House, was I played five pieces. And they were probably sloppy, man. You know what I mean? But it's just like it's it's the confidence of getting out. It's like it, I think a lot of playing a lot of music is a lot of fear involved. Like even 100%. even still, everything, every note that I approach, I'm just like, am I about to clunk this? I think there's a little, there's a little bit of fear in the back of my head that's just like is this really going to sound right even though i'm not even looking at the piano sometimes i have confidence in what i'm doing but i think there's a little bit of like so let me talk to you about a little bit about fear Mm -hmm. so i uh one what i did a year ago i had a project uh, that i was calling stand up and face your fears and essentially what it was was i was Facing something new that I was afraid of doing, whether it be karaoke, mm-hmm. dancing at a wedding, uh, or uh, the most in- important one for me was doing stand-up comedy. I was really afraid. So that's where the name Stand Up and Face Your Fears came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took a comedy class. And even just in class, writing a couple jokes and standing up and having to talk to them was terrifying. And three or four, three or four people looking at you Everyone's, you know, it's a, uh, we're all very nice to each other. No one's, you know, even if they do laugh at you in the wrong way, they're about to give you constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't laugh at you in the wrong way. Stomping ground comedy theater is a very nice place. But back to the fear aspect. At the very end of the term, I got to do a set in front of like a sold out crowd. And it was so therapeutic Mm -hmm. getting up there, being scared and then afterwards was like no other high I could explain. Oh, I get it, yeah. So what I'm trying to get at here is would you say that this the fear that you have before all these shows, even if it's just at a little coffee shop, mm-hmm. um, do, do you find some kind of therapy um, in Absolutely. going through those ups and downs? Absolutely, man, yeah. Um, it's like I may have been more afraid in front of playing in just a just a bartender because I've had my share of those nights, man, just playing in front of a bartender, then playing in front of, I think the more people, the more of like a lounge crowd, the better. But like, you know, 
senior piano recital, people are listening, people are watching. Spotlights on. Yeah. I mean, especially you're sitting in front of a room full of music majors. That's the last place I want to be. Even now, man. Like, even now. You know, I don't want to sit in front of a room of those guys. You know, even if they all play trumpet or something. I don't want to sit in front of those guys. But, um... But I've, I've, I've just gotten, um, I don't want to say I've become, like, I've just done it a lot. I've just done it a lot now, you know. So I'm not saying I don't get nervous, but uh, I've done it enough to where I'm just like, okay, here we go again, man. Yeah, here we go again. venue mm-hmm. you, you play at the house you bring other artists in and they play what's that like and how long have you been doing it we've been doing it um this past september was five years we've what? been doing that yeah uh-huh. wow yeah so it started out with uh, a friend martha she played the first one with me and it was like eight people i think and i played like she played a couple songs i played a couple songs and it was over and then um 
and then we started we started gaining like some traction from it you know like telling people at church hey we're doing a concert at our house and after like a you know Eight months to a year later, we started doing T-shirts, and oh, it's got, it got to where, like, the last last Christmas, we did four nights in a row, sold out four nights in a row at our house for Christmas concerts. What? Yeah, so it's just, I mean, we can only see, like, 20, 22 people tops. Well, still, what was brought to my attention recently was um, an artist, as an artist, you would probably prefer 20 people with their attention and support to you than 800 people who are there to either see the next band or the band before you or they just happen to be there with friends yeah yeah. the intention behind 20 people i think is so much greater than so incredible the lack of attention uh or intent lack of attention and intention behind 800 or a thousand people i think it's more special i think your music is heard differently one and two i think it actually lands somewhere it's not one year out the other Mm -hmm. uh which i think is a very magical thing let me take a moment to shout out our sponsor my beautiful wife crystal dawn if it wasn't for her we wouldn't be able to sit down with guests like this and bring you this room sound session She's a beauty portrait photographer. She provides a full-service, glamorous portrait experience for women who value direction and connection. She recently launched a campaign called This Once For Me. It's a blog series featuring moms, working women, and married women who are used to sacrificing themselves for everyone else in their world, who never give themselves time for, well, themselves. And they deserve to be celebrated and don't need permission from anyone else to do it. And right now, she's looking for 10 women who would be willing to share their story for the blog series, and in exchange, you'll receive a magazine-style portrait and a complimentary matted print of your choice. Find out more information at crystal-dawn.com. That's K-R-Y-S-T-A-L-D-A-W-N.com. And follow her on Instagram at crystaldawnstudios. Now, let's get back into the session. You and your wife perform together, mm-hmm. but it's not a duet. What is it? So um, this actually came about during our first night of Christmas concerts this past year. We had another artist gonna um, gonna team up with me and perform while during the piano performance, and she couldn't make it that night. So we're sitting at lunch during work that day, and it was just like, man, we told all these people there's gonna be another performer tonight. And I was like, Jess, do you wanna do it? And she was like. Yeah, so it just happened at lunch, and that night it was her first night doing it. And then um, before that, we did uh, my friend, my friends uh, Cody and Steven, are um, like incredible supporters, incredible artists here around town. And they um, they did the first one with me. It was just like an idea, I guess we had, just like hanging out in Trinzig, just drinking. Like, hey man, why don't we do this? And they did this gigantic like sunflower, like atomic bomb. Like five or wow. six sunflowers, six exploding. So if it, if it wasn't made clear, there is actual painting going on during your music that's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if we ever actually said that. Out right. Loud. Yeah. I know what you're doing. I'm playing piano, and while during my piano performance, 
there's someone there's a one of a kind art artist yes in, in, mm-hmm. yeah so I've done it with several artists too I've done it at a winery back in my hometown back in southeast Texas so what do they do do and, they uh, they do they sell the print that night yeah it can auction it? off like uh, like Jessica's auction off for four hundred dollars or the one wow. I did back home auction off for five hundred dollars yeah so it's a very and it's just it's yeah mm-hmm. dude such a cool uh, combination of art absolutely seriously yeah. man mm-hmm. uh, I mean I've heard of it done before but when I asked you it's like oh so does your wife sing because I've heard I saw your post about y'all doing Main Street mm-hmm. Cafe and she's like no she paints I was like oh well that actually makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. especially for the kind of music that you play it's not someone singing some lyrics about a specific story yeah just a bunch of cover songs or something like that yeah, yeah. it's like a mm-hmm. and she the, the, the listener can actually like sit back and they can have their conversation if it's right. at a place like Main Street Cafe if they're having a conversation or they can sit back and relax and watch what's going on exactly, on stage yeah. and I think it's just a magical thing at your live shows you play a little game Mm-hmm. And I would love to play that game with you today. Right on, yeah. What's the name of the game? Um, it's called The Game. Me and Jess are always like, hey, you ready to play the game? And we invite somebody up, and uh, and we play a little game. So we have a keyboard in front of us right now. Go ahead and hit it for me. Let me see okay. if we got any sounds okay. coming. Uh. Okay. All right, so that's cool. live. So only the white keys. Yeah, if you, uh, yeah, it's easier. It's kind of a formula. So if we start, if we do that. Okay. So if you start, um, let's say, I'll tell you what, start right here. All right, here we go. And just play about five or six notes in this register right here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just skip around, do whatever you do. Yeah. Here, is that turned up all the way? Mm, yes. Awesome. So I'm going to play a little, mm-hmm. little, uh, you said one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, but just skip around a little bit right yeah, in there. Right, yeah, so- yeah. All right, let me give you something that you don't have to uh, work with, or bad that you could work with. That's all you need to do. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Is that it? Yep, that's it. Okay, all right. right now that you want to make sure people either check out here what, what's 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 yeah. we talked about your albums coming out what else do you think should anyone that's listening to this uh, know about uh, what's going on um well no man thank everybody for listening support i've gotten from the city city of garland uh back in bridge city port arthur beaumont all my hometown friends and um Thank you, Corey. Thanks yeah, for thanks for dude, doing this Bobby, with me, man. Bobby this is great. Yeah. Bobby with three Bs. 
October 30th, right? 30th for the live show and 31st for the like the digital release. What a session. I can't thank Bobby enough for coming in and playing such a beautiful set for us here at Room Sound. His new record drops this weekend. If you want to catch a live show, what? A live show during these times? You're crazy. Well, that's right. October 30th, this Friday, Bobby will be playing some live tunes and joined by some fellow friends and musicians to celebrate the release at Intrinsic Smokehouse and Brewery in downtown Garland. And for those who can't make it out, his new album, A Heavy Heart and New Age Crime, drops digitally the very next day. So check it out. Thanks again for tuning in. Please give us some feedback. Let me know if you're listening. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the Tubes of You, and also follow us on Twitter at RoomSoundPod. And then I'll leave you with this. The only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. Franklin D. Roosevelt. All right, y'all. Remember to be excellent to each other, and if I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.